My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. When we think of our life with the Messiah, what, what comes to mind? Well, we should recognize that he is, he is our life. Without him, you know, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We have the foretaste of, of the blessings. We have fellowship. We have just the joy, the, a heart that loves the scripture. All because of Messiah? What's that? All because of Messiah? All because of Messiah. Yeshua, Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, yo. It's Thursday, February 21st, 2019. Welcome to the Secret Messiah Matters Show. This is show number 254. Thank you to whoever is subscriber 3000. My name is Caleb Hegg. Drinking water from a Yeshua shirts cup, yo. <laughs> this is Rob. Bam. It always has something to do with a cup, doesn't it? That's what, that's what it's like. I love lamp. Like Kosi it's, Rivaya. It's my like, I, it, it's like, I, to my laptop. It's like, I love lamp. It's whatever you see in front of you. Aha. A Yeshua shirts mug. That's what I'll say. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to say something. Let's see here. Yeah, the audio for some reason is weird on my end, and I'm not sure why. You're more quiet. There's no doubt. It about sounds that. good to me. I'll speak up. You're more quiet, but but beyond that, it sounded like our music was in a tin box to me. Oh well, it's a secret show. We have 13 people in the chat room right now, which secret. is always, dude. It's always surprising to me when we're like, "Hey, let's do a show." When do you want to do a show? How's about 15 minutes from now? Okay, let's do a show in 15 minutes, and then people actually show up. <laughs> I didn't even know we were having a show 20 minutes ago. Right on. I love but it, it. But no one said any. Ah, there we go. Music sounded okay. All right. Well, there you go. Welcome, everybody. Um, whether you're listening to this I like live it. Secret show. I know. It's like, that's, a, that's got a nice uh, sound to it. Yeah. So, uh, welcome, everybody. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you're uh, watching this on demand or if you're watching live. Like our good friend, Justin, who's on lunch right now. It's, it's so funny. There's people who are like, I get an email. Yeah, I I just discovered your show and I'm binge watching like from episodes from season one, like five years ago. Well, I'm I, like, I, I have no idea what we're even talking about. I know, right? <laughs> somebody, like, somebody, and and I mean, this is I understand, but he was somebody emailed me and was like, "Hey, you made a reference to this. What book was it in?" And I was like, okay. So I, I looked at the show that he was talking about. It was like a year and a half ago. And it was like some passing comment about like, oh, yeah, we, you know, we were looking at a book in the office. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, we're not. Yeah. Maybe at some point, uh, maybe at some point we'll be on Netflix. <laughs> oh, no. You no. can just bin watch I like there. the 3,000, though. Yeah, we just hit 3,000 cool. subscribers. That's pretty cool. It's not so, a lot. I mean, maybe it, if 1% if of those. In terms, in terms of, of like YouTube watch a bit, like YouTube subscribership, that's literally nothing. We have, I mean, it's just a a, a blip on the screen of the YouTube. Oh, there's people with millions of subscribers. Right, yeah, right. Which I, I'm have I would be happy if we had fifteen subscribers. You know, that doesn't like matter, matter to me. Videos of kittens playing with a yarn ball or something. <laughs> like that. Have you seen Doctor Chris's Chris Tilling's Facebook profile? 
Uh-uh. Dude, he is so funny. Uh, yeah, uh, it says uploading cat uh, crazy cat photos since 2007. <laughs> uh, okay, let's jump in, shall we? Yes. We have a lot to talk about today if we want to. We probably won't get to all of it, but that's okay. I've been sick, which is why my voice sounds the way it does. It's probably why you, everything sounds weird to you. Possibly. I can... I love it when I when I get a little uh, you know chest thing, and I can do my a movie voice. That's always you know, one man, one desire. <laughs> I love that. All right, <clears throat> all right. Let's jump in. So Seth writes in, and he wrote in twice about this because we, we for a very long time we were actually backlogged on on comments and questions by about a month, and that's the most we've ever been. Now we're all caught up. So. Basically, if you send something in, we'll try to talk about it right away. I can't promise that that'll be the case forever, but, you know, whatever. Okay, Seth writes in. He says, thank you for your ministry. Can you give me your thoughts on why Israel could give an animal that died on its own to the stranger in their gates but could not eat it themselves? Deuteronomy 14.21. Right. I took the verse to mean those that are sojourning with Israel but know that they have the law with Israel. But know that they have the law with Israel. But no, I don't understand what he means by that. My only explanation would be that it is not re- referencing those that are in community with Israel, but others that live among them. Um, so this this passage and this topic is the intro topic to my father's book, Fellow Heirs. By the way, if you haven't read that book, I think it's probably, it's one of the lesser well-known gems in the Torah resource catalog. And I think the reason why is because it's a smaller book. Yeah, it's like a little booklet. It's a good thing to give, like buy 10 of them and give them away or something. Well, here's the thing is that honestly, you know, when I look at it, I think to myself, it, uh, fellow heirs written by Tim Hag, TorahResource.com, go buy it. I think it's fourteen ninety five. It's well worth the money. And here's the thing about, fellow heirs. I jumped into it again recently and the he starts out with this conversation about the gear in, in sojourning with you and why are you allowed to give meat to, you know, that has died of, of itself. And basically this launches into the idea of one Torah theology. You know and for those who might not know, one Torah theology is the theology of is the Torah for Jew and Gentile alike or is it just for the Jews and or just for Israel and of course my father's take on it is no he believes in one Torah theology which is that there's one Torah for all he begins with this conversation now he's looking at grammatical issues within the Torah and um, this word ger and the implications of what this word means and all these kind of different things and it's a little bit heady it's not for someone like you, Rob, and probably not nearly as heady for someone like me who who has some background in the biblical languages. No, I have background in. I was really edified by reading. Well, uh, I, no, I'm not saying I'm not edified. What I'm saying is, is that I think it's a little bit heady. But if you can get past the first, you know, the first oh, section and continue reading, it's a. I mean, not that it's dull or boring or anything like that. It's just. I think for some people who have never uh, been in the the biblical languages, they might 
start out and think, oh my word, okay, is this going to be a exposition on grammar the whole time? That's not how it is. And once you get past that first discussion, which is, by the way, a dynamite discussion, um, and I think that my father proves his point very well in that discussion. Once you get past that, then you're off and running. You're at the races with uh, with with this book. Anyway, the uh, yes, Seth, the overall point of this plug for um, fellow heirs is that yes, the uh, the conclusion that my father comes to, and the one that I've come to in this passage as well, is that this is talking about a person who is uh, basically passing through. They're not covenant members. Now, this also may bring up some some more issues that we could talk about. But the overall point is, is that you have, you know, um, you have someone passing through Israel who is not a covenant member, who does not uh, uh, believe in and or uh, serve the God of Israel. What are you, are you allowed to sell them this meat? And I think the answer is yes. The reason that we can take this and know this is because there's other passages that specifically talk about the gare and and whatnot, um, celebrating, not only celebrating, but becoming uh, covenant members, right? Coming into the covenant with circumcision. So if they want to be part, if they want to be part of you and celebrate the Passover, <coughs> which the Torah is very specific about, that the Gentiles should celebrate, you know, it's one law for you and the Gentiles, specifically uh-huh. talking about Passover, then what has to happen? They have to be circumcised. And if you're circumcised, what happens? You're part of the covenant. And if you're part of the covenant, you can't keep part just a part of it. You keep the whole covenant. So this is where that discussion goes. Um, actually, speaking of circumcision, I was the reason that we have a secret show today is because yesterday I was at a bris. And um, it's always it's always a, a blessing and also a it's always weird to see a bris, you know, a circumcision and and uh, and be joyful about it because <laughs> it's such a violent and weird thing to do. Right. Uh, but it is a joyful thing at the same time. All right. Let's move on. Paulette writes in and says, and we're actually, we're going to get to, uh, our, our main show topic today is going to be biblical authority. You know what? Can I, I can, before we leave that other topic? Absolutely. Go for I it. want to just add a little bit. So the, the, the core verses from the Torah that you want to look at are from Leviticus, uh, what is it? It's 17.15 and Deuteronomy 14.21. <clears throat> Those are the two most probably relevant passages. And... Leviticus 17, if you remember, it's uh, Leviticus is for the priests who are the Torah teachers, right? And the the way the statute is is explained, it says, Kol nefesh asher tochal, any nefesh that will eat. And and then it goes on uh, to say, Ba'ezrach u vager, whether native or ger, if they eat a nevelah. With trefa, which means a a, car, a carcass that died of itself, right, or a torn animal, torn meat. Um, the the same consequences are on both, right? They have to wash and they remain unclean until evening, right? And then right. the very next verse there is that um, if he does not wash or bathe his body, then he shall bear his his iniquity, right. <clears throat> And right before that, uh, in Leviticus seventeen fourteen, it's just talking about 
don't eat any blood. It says uh, the same language for the soul or the nephesh that uh, eats blood will be cut off. He will be cut off. Okay, so the idea is that Leviticus is addressing the people of Israel as consisting both of uh, the Ezra, which is the native, and the Ger. And, and the same Torah applies to both. The, the other passage, Deuteronomy 14, is instructing Israel. Remember, Deuteronomy is after the 40 years, it's at the end of the 40 years of the wilderness. They're getting ready to enter the land. And the audience that's being addressed is a, is a mix. Right. And so it says, Lo tohlu, none of you eat these things. Right? And then it says to the gear who will be in your gates, you may give it. That's, t- that's talking about, just t- tying back to Caleb's point of, this is when you enter the land and there are people that are not part of the covenant people that are just passing through, right? Because this is a major um, merchant trade route, right? Through right. the land, as you know, if you know the geography of the land of Israel. Oh, wait, um, you, uh, geography of the land of Israel, a course coming up in the <laughs> spring quarter of Torah Resource Institute. Exactly. Go sign Mario up now. Berkowitz, who's who is just an awesome uh, uh, resource for, for uh, how the geography just is such a crucial part of right. understanding the scriptures. Anyway, so uh, I just wanted to add that little bit that Deuteronomy, that it's the imperative is addressing all the people, all y'all. Right, right, yeah. Don't do it. And who's the all y'all? Israel. Right, and it's and, and those who are part of Israel, right? That, yeah, Jew and Gentile. Not, yeah, Jew and we're Gentile. We're not genealogically, yeah. Whereas Leviticus 17, it says, any all nephesh. And that it could be that nephesh throughout Leviticus is referring to the people of Israel, people who are part of Israel. And so when it says that nephesh will be cut off from his people, what that means is that that person is going to be cut off from being part of Israel. So anyway, love good, it. Good discussion. Um, yeah. So actually, we mentioned Ariel's uh, geography course, which uh, so you can sign up for Torah Resource Institute classes right now. Classes, uh, the spring quarter uh, registration is open. And go and sign up now. Um, the geography course, an excellent course. Lots of material in that course too. A lot of really fun stuff to look at. And he's got videos. He's got all sorts sorts of stuff. And Ariel's uh, ability to uh, kind of make the ancient land come alive is he's got a gift for it. But we also got other classes as well. Uh, readings in Second Temple non canonical. Literature is uh, Rob's course, one of Rob's courses. I could not find a shorter title for that class. <laughs> Second Temple, non-canonical, right? <laughs> yeah. Jewish literature. It's a long, uh, it's a mouthful for a, for a name of a course. Well, yeah, I, I benefited from that, from that class greatly. When I took that class, and it was several years ago, I was actually living in a different house, so it must have been four years ago I took that class. But... I remember distinctly our discussions in the Book of Enoch and uh, learning about that. that. That was just fascinating. So there's a lot of great courses that are going on. My father's teaching courses as well. Go to TorahResource.com. You don't have to be in a certificate program at all. You can take one class at a time. And just if you want, one, if you want to know more about 
say, for instance, geography of the ancient Near East, then you can take just that class, go sign up right now, quick, easy, and it's a 10-week class, so much fun, all done online. Okay, um, let's move on. We got, oh yeah, this uh, Paulette writes, um, where in the Bible does it state sex before marriage is wrong? <laughs> yeah, this is a, this is always an interesting, we get this every once in a while, I get this every once in a while, and I get it not only, I've gotten it not only uh, from people writing in asking this, but also um, from people in community that I'm in community with. Um, and usually, and not all the time, not all the time, sometimes people are, uh, sometimes people are trying to talk to other people about these issues or something like that. But a lot of the time, my experience has been that when people ask this question, it usually tends to be uh, because they have met someone that they really like. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, basically, does the Bible teach sex before marriage and like is wrong? And Rob said something before we came on air that was really interesting to me, which is that the Torah just assumes that if you're having intercourse with someone else, you're married to them. Because if you're not married to them, you're stoned. Or you're forced to marry them. One of the two. Right? In Deuteronomy 22, if, you, if a man comes upon a woman who's a virgin in, uh, in the field and takes her, he's stoned. I, I mean, and I know a lot of this could be considered rape, but there's also both parties, you know, both parties are, uh, when, they, when they both consent to it, then they're both in big trouble. And uh, so the Torah just assumes that sexual intercourse is done in the marriage bed. Sure, right. That, that That's God's design, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, now, obviously, there was sexual intercourse that went on that was not within the appropriate marriage covenant. In, even in the Torah, right? Um, but every time that it's done, it's obviously not done with God's approval. People go and uh, go to harlots, or they um, commit adultery. David's misstep, obviously, which uh, we've—I mean, the the one good thing about David's misstep in his, uh, you know, in in his actions. Uh, was that we got some great psalms out of it, and obviously it's part of the biblical narrative, so we're, we're meant to learn something from it. Um, but the Torah and the Tanakh in general, it's just assumed that, that uh, sexual contact is done with, with someone uh, in a marriage contract. Um, once, we get to, once we get to the uh, apostolic scriptures, or what is referred to as the New Testament, then we have clear, clear, this you are not to do. Um, and I grabbed two passages. I grabbed Hebrews 13.4. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So he's talking about two different people here, right? Sexual immoral and adulterous. Um, and then I also grabbed Galatians 5.19-21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, 
that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ouch. Uh, you want any, you want to so add anything? This is sharp. That's the sharp blade right there. That's that's the little now sword. I've, I've heard the argument before. Someone has made the argument before. Well, it's talking about sexual deviancy, or it's talking about um, you know, but two consenting adults. You know, the word is is ambiguous. Uh, no. It's it's not it's not as ambiguous as you might. Yeah, the, the think. world. This is going to get into our authority uh, right, aspect right. too, because who created life? Where did the universe come from? You know, I mean, if we're anchored in the reality of God's sovereignty and Yeshua's absolute authority in heaven and earth, and that He in, has preserved the Scriptures for us to know His will, I'm, there's really no wiggle room on this. It, you know, well, the reason that, yeah, and the reason that your Greek texts or your English texts uh, translate the Greek in the way that they do is because there's two different words. Sexual immorality is not adultery. So there's a, a specific word for adultery and there's a specific word for sexual immorality or, or what some render as fornication. Um, but certainly the scriptures assume. I think I think it's pretty obvious, you know. As soon as you said that to me, that the t Torah assumes sexual contact among a covenant relationship and not outside of it, I racked my brain quickly to think of any place in the Torah where that was not the case, and and I I couldn't think of one. And yeah, Jeremy in the chat room makes a great point. And didn't Paul say that get married rather than burn with desire? Well, why would you burn with desire if you're allowed to just go and 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 do what you? Right, right. You, you know, if if you only burn with desire when you can't have something, that's the point. Um, but of course, we also need to recognize that, uh, you know, uh, the Lord for those who have had misconduct in the past the lord forgives and and uh, but you know it should be our desire and our uh, and our want to please the lord first absolutely. and foremost absolutely okay let's go to uh <clears throat> next clip what time did we start oh we started at, yeah okay we're about a half hour in maybe oh wow time flies when you're having fun um, so this on our comment line, and by the way, let me bring this up for you. Let's see here. Do I have my comment line? Oh, I forgot to, I'm all over the place today. I apologize, everyone. Let's run our producer credits real quick. <laughs> uh, what you're seeing at the bottom of our screen right now is our executive producers for this show, 254. We are grateful to every single person who um, supports this show and for our executive producers. Now, we haven't put anything up in Messiah Matters, I think, in, in, what, a week? I think we need to put something up this week. We'll think about it. There's a couple of things we could put up, uh, articles and whatnot, um, but we could also put up a video, so we'll, we'll try to do that. If you're a supporter for as little as $5 a month, you have access to that page. But our our um, our executive producers really are are one of the uh, one of the driving forces in this for this show, and we are grateful for every single one of them. And we're going to have a new producer credit coming up at the beginning of our school quarter, the spring quarter, which starts April 9th. So uh, we'll probably uh, let people start purchasing producer credits about a week or two before that, and uh, 
we're still talking about releasing uh, for the spring quarter uh, producer credits. We're talking about releasing our uh, new book on the spring festivals in PDF form for anyone who signs up for that. So we'll, we're still talking about it and wait until the new art is up. We'll announce when it's up. Okay. With all that said, let's, uh, let's, I'll highlight our phone number 253-465-3205. And that's where Nick called in. He called into 253-465-3205. And this was his comment. Yeah, my name is Nick. And my question is, um, but first let me give a background real quick. So I was watching a debate between Shmuley Boteach and Michael Brown on Sid Roth's show, whatever that's called. But anyway, it was interesting. The reason why Boteach said he didn't accept the Messiah was in, and it's pertaining to a, a statement. I think it's Isaiah 53, verse 7. There's like some parallelism going on that Yeshua, or the text says in Isaiah that he, should, he would not open his mouth. And then I think there's some parallelism like a sheep, right? Before it shears, it doesn't open its mouth. He says, well, you know, Yeshua opened his mouth. And I was wanting to know if you could comment to that. Okay. That's basically the uh, the gist of the comment. Cool. Can I take that one? Absolutely. Go. First of all, Nick, thanks for the the question. And we don't need to we don't need the clip of the actual Sid Roth show. We just <laughs> no. take Nick's word for it. Um, right. And what it sounds like Nick is saying is that Shmuley Boteach said, "Who's it? he's one of these popular rabbis that debates a lot." Um, uh, apparently he said, well, Isaiah 53, you Christians say it's talking about the Messiah, Jesus. But if I read here in Isaiah 53, 7, and this is from the NASB, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. And then there's a parallelism that what Nick's pointing out, like a lamb that is led to slaughter, like a sheep that is silent before it shears. So he did not open his mouth. So the he did not uh, open his mouth occurs twice there. And the idea is, well, if you look, my assumption with Nick's question is that if you look in the gospel accounts during Yeshua's trial, he actually says some things. And so it sounds to me like if uh, hopefully I'm tracking with what Boteok said, um, is that Yeshua uh, in his trial opened his mouth. And so this is, it's, it's a, I'm glad that Boteok said this. Um, and so I'm glad it, this question came for us to talk about, but it shows how la- how lacking in discernment someone can be, even though they're professional, well-learned, etc. And so uh, thanks again, Nick, for the question. Here, here's the question. Here's the point. If you go and look through the Gospels, through the accounts of Yeshua's trial, I think all, but maybe John, I don't remember, say a couple times, and Yeshua remained silent. And what this is, it's when he was being beaten, when he's being spat upon, when he's being flogged, when he's being mocked, when they put the crown of thorns on his head, he never opens his mouth. When the accusers, when the false witnesses are coming, laying accusation after accusation against him, he opened not his mouth. The only time Yeshua opens his mouth is when he's addressed either by the high priest, and I think in in Maybe in John, it's Pilate. When the high priest says, "Who? I adjure you, who are you? Are you the Messiah? And he opens, he says, yes, I am. And then he quotes uh, 
Daniel 7, well, no, I think first Psalm 110, you will see the Son of Man sit on the right hand of power, right? And he and you will see the Son uh, him coming on the clouds of heaven. So technically, yes, Yeshua opened his mouth, but when did he open his mouth? Only when a asked point blank question about who he was. Right. But when it came to defense, when it came to uh, his defense. Yeah, and, and go back to Isaiah 53. He was oppressed and afflicted, right? A lamb led to slaughter. A sheep before shears. Well, the, who are the shears in this? Who are the ones slaughtering him? These are the ones that are beating him, mocking him, spitting on him, whipping him, laying accusation after accusation, all false against him. And he remained silent. So if someone like Shmuley Boteach, with all his clout out in the world, wants to mock Yeshua by making some little stupid comment like this when they don't even have the attention to be able to read and understand, you know, that's on him. But that's the blind leading the blind. Yeah, I agree. Um, someone is asking... I wonder, how, I wonder how Brown responded. I mean, I... I'm not interested in watching the video, but <laughs> curious how. Uh, um, yeah, someone's well, asking. So, someone's asking about. Uh, uh, well, hang on, let me go up. Somebody says uh, it's said Jews today consists of Judah, J Levi, and Benjamin. And I said, uh, if so, it is said wrong. And they said just Judah. And I said, no, all twelve tribes are Israel. They said, "No, yeah, I get that. Are you saying all tri all twelve tribes are what we call today Jews?" Yes, I am, and because in my opinion, those who are Jews are descended from Jacob. The idea that that the uh, that the word Jew only applies to the southern tribes, this is I mean, this is nonsense, and the reason it's nonsense is because clearly, Paul and others talk about all of the tribes under this one title, not just the southern tribes. Now, I know that there's a push within Messianic and Hebrew roots to attempt to uh, label just the southern, oh, well, if we look at Paul and we just he's just talking about the southern tribes. Nonsense. This is simply nonsense. This idea that just the southern tribes are called Jews doesn't come around until much later, until basically British Israelism, at least that I know of. I could be wrong on that, but that's uh, that's when I see it come well, around. It, it depends on, yeah, it depends on where you look on the chronology, right? Like, for example, the in, in uh, when Nebuchadnezzar takes the southern kingdom out and takes Daniel, for example, they're called Yehudim, the right. Yehudim, because they're from the, the province of Yehud. Right. Or like in, in Esther, the Yehudim. But, it, and in the first century, you have the Udaioi, you know, the, the Jews over against the Galileoi, right? The Gal right. Galileans or whatever. And so there are ways that the word is used to differentiate, but those are not really religious so much as they are territorial. But today, yeah, the word, the way it's used today uh, is not a claim to tribal, to any specific tribal uh well, and and the point is, is the point is is that um, when when the word Jew is used, Judaismus in in the scriptures, 
It's certainly not. I mean, yes, what what you're saying is absolutely true, but it is also used as a blanket statement. It's not just regional. Right. Right. Well, yeah, I, I well, it depends. Again, it depends if it's contrasting Galileans with Jews. No, I understand. Gal- I, or, I'm saying that yeah. it, it can be both. It can be it can be regional, but it can also be a blanket statement. The point is, is that this idea of separation of oh, Jews only means the southern tribes everywhere that it's stated in the apostolic yeah, scriptures. That's, that's wrong. That's wrong, and it's it, it it misses the the overall arching point of what a lot of the scripture says. Well, and you know, it can be pressed in the other direction. Just like they'll say, you'll find in Orthodox Jewish lore that Abraham was the first. Jude, the, or the first Yehudi, right? Abraham was the first Yehudi. And then if you talk to someone who's from Islam, they'll say, oh, no, Abraham was a Muslim, meaning he submitted to Allah, right? Right. Like, and so they rewrite, so the idea is they take our name. It's like, actually, no, he was a Mormon, <laughs> you know, like Abraham was the first Mormon. So the person says, <laughs> the, 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 word, so, the, the person says, where is it used as a blanket statement for all tribes? Uh, Acts. Oh, where? He's looking for a location? Yeah, like in the Bible. Oh, oh I don't know. I've Nothing off the top of my head, but I can... Acts, he, I can it says, it, you know, and the leader of the Jews. Are you telling me that the high priest was only the leader of the southern tribes? Well, Yeshua, he's the king of the... Uh, yeah, king of the Jews. So Yeshua is only the king of the southern tribes? Come I suppose, on. yeah. I mean... Um, it, it's to, to say... Uh, this. This is... Two house theology. This idea that we can that that the Jews only means the southern tribes is two house theology, and it's wrong. Well, yeah, and you know that even at the beginning of Matthew, right? They say the one who's born king of the the Jews, right? Um, Herod was called king of the Jews, and of course his his territory was pretty vast. <laughs> yeah, Herod um, was not. <laughs> great point. Herod was not just ruling the southern tribes. So, like, I just pulled up the the bedag, you know, a good robust right. lexicon it's got quite a it's, there's so much nuance that can be given it so um yeah this uh, to be honest with you and this isn't putting anyone down honestly as i've jumped into specific studies especially with meals in the in the uh ancient near east i've realized that you know my knowledge of 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 the nuances of of words and phrases from from that time period what I thought was was the case is often not the case. As you start to listen to, oh, this is, you know, let's look at it cross-platform. Uh, and I feel like this is one of those things where somebody had an idea of, oh, it means the Southern Tribes. Somebody picked it up and, and people just started running with it. It's just not the case. The word has way, way more nuance and, and like you said, Rob, nuance and, uh, uh, you know, range than what people are giving it uh, credit for just all there is to it okay let's move on this is a this is an interesting conversation and we're going to continue it on you know a couple weeks ago four weeks ago i don't even know how many weeks ago i started talking about um the they said don't shake your head caleb i love you man I'm just asking questions i'm not upset at anyone and i'm you know the point is is that this look I'm not trying to be rude to anyone. My point is, is that we have this I, this notion that has it, it's a meme. It's a meme. The idea that Jew means southern tribes is a meme. 
that has been that has been reposted and reposted by the two house starting back in the 80s and and probably a little bit earlier but especially 80s and 90s Bacha Wooten uh, really pushed this and that was this meme of Jew means southern tribes it just that that's never been the case um so anyway um okay so this discussion that we had I mentioned uh, that my family and you know I've tried to clarify this I think it needs to be, you know, before we start this conversation again, because this this is going to get into a different aspect of this conversation. But before we start it again, I want to make sure people understand one one thing that I I said that I think has been passed over because people keep coming back to it, not not realizing maybe the thrust of this. If you are meeting in your home on Shabbat or sometime during the week with two or three people. In my opinion, that can constitute a community. Wherever two or three people are gathered, there I am. You know, in other words, I don't think that you have to leave your home and go to a building and have somebody stand up and preach to have it be part of the ecclesia, part of the assembly of God. Right, right. Um, I know of many home groups. I'm part of a home group. Home groups that have, you know, two families, three families, um, this kind of thing. And I am not discounting that. If that's what you are a part of, I think that you are part of an assembly. You're part of a congregation. And I think that that, that um, I'm not disparaging or discounting that in any way at all. I think that, that is wonderful. I think that the Torah was set up to be, to have people be part of community. We're told in Hebrews, don't neglect the assembly, the assembling together. Okay, now why is that? And I think the reason why is because we keep Torah. Through, there are parts of Torah that can only be kept in community. That's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. But there's there's parts of, of and you know, uh, in the apostolic scriptures, we're supposed to do what? Bear each other's burdens. How can you bear each other's burdens if you're not in community with each other? It's very diff- it's almost impossible. The point is is that we are, you know, the the Shabbat and the the festivals are called Micha Chodesh. They're holy gatherings, gatherings. So it means getting together. So the Torah is a community effort. It's a community document. And the the reason that this has, I think, uh, been a very tough, uh, pill to swallow for people in the Hebrew roots and Messianic movement that listen to this show is because, and it's not, I don't, I don't think it's a majority by any stretch of the imagination. I think the majority of people that we, uh, that we talk to, that we hear from, they're part of a community somewhere, whether it's in their home, whether it's a couple people that get together throughout the week as a Bible study, whether it's whatever it may be, whether it's a church, whether it's a congregation, a synagogue, whatever. Um, but but there is still a group of people, and they're scattered about. And I understand that there are. I'm not putting anybody down. I understand that there are cert, cer, certain circumstances where things can't be avoided. Yeah, but, we we talked about some deal breakers last week. <clears throat> okay, hang on just a sec. Uh, what makes a Jew a Jew? Being descended from Jacob. Um, okay. Yeah, we talked about deal breakers and, and these kind of things. Another thing that we're going to try to get to at some point. Um, 
so I don't want to discount the idea that there are circumstances, you know, and I know a couple specific circumstances where it's like, you know, people are elderly. They don't they don't have mobility. It's very hard for them to leave their homes or, um, you know, I know people who have uh, certain uh, diseases and things like this where, you know, it's almost impossible for them to be in community. Um, And so obviously there's circumstances, but I've also talked to personally talked to numerous people who have moved to a new area. They're in a large city. They've gone to different congregations. They don't get along with anyone. And they think that that's a good enough reason for them not to attend a community somewhere. Oh, I don't agree with anybody. That, in my opinion, is not a good. And this is where this whole conversation came from. My comment of, um, you know, if it was if it was me and I moved to a new place or whatever and I didn't have anywhere, I would I didn't have anywhere to go. I would seek out a local church. I mean, this has been the the, the back the backlash of that comment is is uh, really quite incredible. Uh, and it shows kind of the point that I was trying to make that people have this idea of, of uh, spiritual superiority in some cases. Um, but the point is, is that I think community is a Torah command. And if it's a Torah command, then, you know, how how are people so adamant that the Christian church isn't keeping the Torah, but they're willing to break the Torah to not be a part of the Christian church? That was my point and my question. Uh, okay, so with that said, um, we had a whole conversation in the past three weeks about this, right? And we continue to get emails and phone calls and all sorts of stuff from people um, on this topic. And last week, I talked about authority structure authority structures. And um, so Lori writes in and she says, after listening to your show this week, I was thinking maybe you could piggyback off something you and Rob touched on today. Maybe you guys could talk about authority and the different levels of authority in church slash congregations, families, etc. I know some uh, think a person needs to be in a congregation slash church so they can be under authority and accountability. This is something I truly believe. If you don't have some kind of spiritual authority, everyone has spiritual authority in their life, whether they want to admit it or not. And God has set up spiritual authority. And it's very poignant what he says about spiritual authority within the scriptures. Sure. And what one question you can ask is, do you believe Yeshua is building his ecclesia? Do you, do you believe Yeshua is building right now? Right, right now is Yeshua building. Then the question is, Yeshua, do you believe Yeshua has authority? Is there authority in his building? Exactly. And if Yeshua is building and it's authoritative, then the next question is, are there people in the world that are involved that that's, that that's their marching orders, that their marching orders are in alignment with Yeshua's building? And Right. And are you then in that chain of command somewhere we all are in that chain of, chain well, of command okay. somewhere well yeah if you're one of his you are yeah of course that's the point is that i think that a lot of what goes on especially within the hebrew roots of messianic movement is a push against authority structure now let's and be there's, it it rightly it, and it's a it's a 
tough lesson that we're supposed to learn because Yeshua holds the bar very, very high, right? He, right. he, he the, it's a high bar. So yeah, if, if a teacher is absolutely teaching wrong things and he's reading, leading people down the wrong path, then, or if there's just blatant sin, right? Like he divorces his wife and then all of a sudden he's the secretary of the church and him get married or something. And now they still want, you know, I, you know yeah. what I mean? We can, we talked about seen, deal breakers yeah. before. So there are times you just leave, right? Or, or, and say, look, this, they're not about but, God's okay, business here. Okay. Hang on just a second. But does that mean that we're no longer under the authority of, I mean, yes, that if, if God is dealing with authority within one place, okay, that's, that's fine. And, and I and I agree with you, yes, we can leave. However, this is not something that needs to be taken lightly. I think one of the things... Uh, right, I don't, yeah. Exactly. I think one of the things that people do, whether it's in the Christian church, whether it's in the Messianic movement or the Hebrew Roots movement, is they think, oh, I just have the ability to up, up and leave anytime I want. If you are under spiritual authority, that's not the case. You get your marching orders from God, ultimately. And... I mean, Rob shared this book with me this this past week on on uh, spiritual authority by Watchman Nee. Good night. That guy was on point. I I've I've only read the first two chapters of that book, and I'm just blown away. The dude hits the nail right on the head. If you have if you have the means, go pick up. I, you might be able to find it online in a PDF format. Watchman Nee. Uh, he wrote Biblical Authority. I, let's and or I mean, spiritual. I think it's called spiritual, spiritual authority. authority. Hang on, just a sec. Where's my, where's my cursor? I want to read my favorite quote from it so far, and like I said, I'm only two, uh, I'm only two pages in. Where, uh, this is, okay. While I look for this real quick, let's talk um, about, let's talk about different kinds of spiritual authority, because I know that uh, some people think, oh here it is. Okay. Let's check this out. Page three, and it's called, by the way, um, it is called Spiritual Authority, a.k.a. Submission and Authority by Watchman Nee. On page three, and uh, I got the copy that was underlined by uh, by Rob, which is awesome because now I have all, all of his underlines and his marks. Um, he says this, Anyone who has met authority will deal with the authority alone. He will not deal with the person involved. We should only think of the authority, not of the person, because our submission is not to a person, but to God's authority in that person. Right. Remember, whatever you do, you, you, you labor as unto the Lord. Right. It doesn't matter what job you have. It doesn't matter whether you're CEO of a company or if you're cleaning toilets at, right. at nighttime or serving french fries, or if you're building houses, what whatever you're doing. And it doesn't even have to be something you're getting paid for. It could be you're volunteering, you're, you're doing something, or maybe you're a mother raising and educating your children. It doesn't have to be something that you're getting like a paycheck for. In all, it doesn't matter, whatever you do, <laughs> Yeshua tells us, our behaviors are accountable to him. He's our boss. And so our our understanding of his authority will produce in us a heart to to do a good job, to be thorough, to be um, straightforward, to be above board, to uh, use just weights and measures, <laughs> measures, right? To be 
honest, etc. All these things. Why? Because our, our immediate boss is, oh, we just want to impress them. No, because we serve Yeshua. Right. And if it, if, if that bodes well for us in the immediate, or even if it bodes uh, ill for us because of some conflict, that, that shouldn't be our motivator. Our motivator is that we're serving Yeshua who purchased us with his own blood out of his grace. Not, and, and we owe him an eternal debt of, of love and gratitude and, and service that is not begrudging, but it's, it's, it's yes, sir. I'm on it. You know, know? I can't, this is frustrating. I don't use this. uh, I don't use our, our soundboard enough anymore. So I don't know where anything is. I was looking for your weights and oh, measures. Yeah. Oh, I think I found weights it. Weights and measures. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. So, um, but if you believe he was building his ecclesia, and you're you're one of his, and you're doing everything you do as unto Yeshua, then that authority is built in. That's why you're understanding, you're interpreting your your behaviors and what you're doing. Not if someone tells you, "I need you to go do this." You're serving Yeshua in that, in that mission or in that task. You're serving Yeshua. Well, and that, but that's my point is that when, when we, and I've, I've been writing, so I'm, I'm actually doing two writing projects right now. And uh, one of the writing projects that I've done has focused a lot on our purpose as, as humans, our purpose as believers and what happens when we get baptized the idea that uh, you know this is not a theological pr- proclamation that we believe—that's not the case. Baptism is a symbol that I have fully and willingly given my entire life and being to Christ. The Messiah now owns me in every way, shape, and form. So when we are put placed under biblical authority, and then all of a sudden we just decide, well, this person's—you know—this person ticked me off. This person said something I don't agree with. This person is not treating me correctly. Yeah. I'm out. I'm I'm up and leaving. Uh, I you're think gonna, you're just going to go hit that same lesson somewhere else. It's a knee jerk reaction, yeah, but yeah. the point yeah. is, is that that's not yeah. what you know. That's unfortunately that's not how it works. To be to come out from underneath spiritual authority and move to a different spiritual authority takes prayer. It takes time. It takes um, reading of the Word, seeking out God's guidance. It takes uh, counsel from other people. It's not just a uh, I'm out reaction. Because we're a whole person. He disciples our, our whole person. And here, here's a, another principle that Yeshua teaches time and again. To him who has, more will be given. Right. To him who does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Well, what the heck does that mean? It means that you show ownership. God gives you this, right? He gives you like this cup, right? Okay, Rob, here. Okay. So this is the thing, right? Now, do I take care of this? Do I say, this is a gift from the Lord and I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to keep it clean. I'm going to make sure it's put away safe. I'm not going to put it at the edge of a table where it can get knocked off and break. I'm going to take care of this. And that's, that's my job. That's my job. And I'm going to do it knowing the full, full time that this is a gift, right? Then when the Lord sees fit, he might add another mug, right? I'm going to have more because I've demonstrated ownership over this one thing. However, if there's, oh yeah, I got this mug. Yeah, it's mine. Yeah. Right. And I'm, I'm disregarding the authority. Oops. Right. That person's not going to get anything that that person, Yeshua is not going to build with materials that aren't reliable. 
Yeshua is not going to build with materials that don't that don't do what they're expected to do. Right? He's not going to use a piece of steel to to hold up something that if it gets a certain, you know, if it gets too cold or too hot out, it's going to fold over and everybody, you know. No, he's going to he's going to use the right materials for the job. And how does how do how does he do it? He he develops our character. He proves our character. This gets to Romans 5. How does he prove our character? Through through by faith shaping our maturity, our responses into godly, pure, holy responses in a world full of hostility t- towards him, right? And those are different kinds of trials. Um, so Adam just made a fantastic comment. I think the instances of fighting authority can occur more often when someone is in a community with a single leader as opposed to a multiple leader authority structure. I completely say, agree. Say that again. Okay. I don't get my head around that. I think the instances of fighting authority, he means within a congregation, can occur more often when someone is in a community with a single leader as opposed to a multiple leader authority structure. Uh, before, before we touch on this comment, oh, because oh, it's... it's, it's, it's a, well, that's, that's such an interesting point, because that now we get into what is the biblical design for a community is, you know... Um, Right. So, okay, wait, hang on just a sec. So, so before we do that, let's define uh, some uh, authority structures. I've, I've counted, well, multiple different authority structures within, within the Bible, okay? Um, there's obviously father, head of household, right? Mother, co-head of household, to children, okay? Now, I know that it's preached a lot... Uh, women, and because it's in the Bible, women submit to their husbands. But uh, often, uh, I think what's neglected is the next part of that. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church. He was willing to die, right? He laid down his life for the ecclesia. The point is, is that a woman will, a wife will naturally follow a man who's worthy of being followed. And a man who's w- worthy of being followed is a man who puts his wife and her wants and needs above his own. Um, so that kind of authority structure is extremely hard to come by. Um, yeah, and it's the same. It's why we want Yeshua to guide guide us, to protect us, to instruct us, to discipline us, right? right. We want to be under him. Right. Why? Because he's dem- <laughs> You so know? so that's that's one that's one authority uh, structure. That's family authority, right? You have father, mother, children. Above that, obviously, God is at the head of all of this. So if we uh, you know if we put this into a nice chart, God's at the head, okay? And then you have different authority structures under that. And it's not like it's not like this, right? It doesn't trickle down like this. The authority structures are like this in different categories. So father and mother, Family is right here, right under God. Mm-hmm. You also have them coming down a little bit, and then there's authority structures over here. Um, we hear of authority structure in terms of, just in terms of interpersonal relationship, we have authority structure of boss to employee, right? Um, there, there's this authority structure of submitting to, our, to uh, the people who are in um, authority over us in terms of work. 
There's also an authority structure of the elderly, right? We are to honor the elderly. They've been placed in, in authority uh, in certain ways. Now, that might not be that they say, you do this, and we, oh, okay. But there certainly is some form of authority that comes from the elderly person, right? We're supposed to respect them because they're in some place of authority. Right. And then, of course, there's congregational authority, which is deacons um, and also then, uh, and, yeah, deacons and pastors, or I, I mean, people want to call them different things in Hebrew, Roe and Shamashim, um, so on and so forth. Um, now, that's what I've found within the scriptures. Other people, for instance, in the Catholic Church or other denominations, Episcopal Church, you have things like bishops, priests, these kind of things. If the temple was in uh, erected today, we would have another authority structure, which would be priest and then high priest, right? And then some people want to add into the authority uh, scheme of things the government. I reject this fully. I don't think that Romans 13 is talking about the government. I don't think, what is it, First or Second Peter is talking about the government. I think it's specifically talking about authority within the ecclesia. Um, so I don't think that the government is a part of that authority structure. Um, unless it's a righteous government, in which case, then what is it? It's priest and high priest. And of course, King Yeshua, right? That would be authority structure, but we've already mentioned those. So these are the authority structures that we have. I think the biggest problem that we have as believers is probably submitting to congregational authority, which would be deacons and pastors. Um, and this goes back to Adam's question. What is the biblical structure for authority within the, the ecclesia? And I think that, you know, my father's preached on this so many times, I can't even count, that multiple leadership is what the Bible teaches. In other words, there's not one pastor. There's not one lead rabbi. There's multiple pastors. There's multiple deacons. And the reason that this is is because even within a community structure, and I'll, I'll, I'll throw this back to you in just a second here, Rob, even within a community structure, a pastor is not above reproach. In other words, he still has to answer to other people. When you have multiple pastors and you have multiple deacons, then a pastor still answers to the other authority within that body. He's not the final word. Yeshua is the final word, and the body of the of authority governs the authority. So even within a small group, I have two guys within the, in my small group that uh, I look to as my uh, spiritual authority within that group. Because even though I do the you know pretty much I do the teaching within that group, the, I need I'm not I can't be a lone wolf out there. I can't be, you know, my own authority. (laughs) Even better, a lone sheep. Caleb just admitted he's a wolf. (laughs) You heard it here first today on The Secret Show. You never know what secrets will be revealed. Right. No, but, but, you know, and I think that this... um, Lone wolf. We've seen seen this. uh, We've seen this within uh, churches where a pastor is a lead pastor or whatever, and he doesn't have... Um, checks and balances and, and things go awry. Now, you know what? Honestly, I've learned that people will push against authority. And uh, I, I pulled this scripture. Let's see here. So uh, Romans 13, 1 through 5. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. I believe that this is within the ecclesia. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. 
And those who resist will incur judgment. That, that should give us all pause. For rulers are not a terror or to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he, has, he, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of his conscience. I, I mean, th- those are pretty uh, bl- blunt words when it comes to authority. And then I pulled another one. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And then uh, the one that I'm looking for is uh, where it says, if you're going to bring an accusation. Is it in Ephesians? It said, oh, oh it no, no, no. Let, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. This means if you're going to say that a leader is sinning, because, I mean, the the, the language of two or three witnesses obviously comes with sin, right? You're, well, it's you're, a Torah. This is Torah. In other words, use the Torah. Right. And these are... Independent witnesses. That means witnesses that have not gone behind the scenes and and compared notes to where they don't even know their own story anymore. You know, right? But still, um, two or three witnesses. This is this is a, yeah. a charge. This is a charge of sin. So, you know, and and this comes back to a lot of what we've talked about in terms of doctrine within the church. You know, I and. I admit, you know, I think a lot of people hear what I say about the church and say, oh, Caleb doesn't care about the Sabbath. I do care about the Sabbath. I think the Sabbath is a huge point. And this will take us to a, another question that we have. Anyway, uh, is there any, I mean, I've, I've rambled now for a good 10 minutes. Is there something that you'd like to interject here? No, this is all, this is all good words, all good stuff. Yeah. No, wait, go. Even in the world, even in the world, a project, any project worth any kind of uh, value for long term is going to take, it's going to require a hierarchy to get anything done, right? You've got to have a hierarchy that orders the authority, that 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 channels energy wisely and efficient, efficiently and appropriately to accomplish the project, Right. Otherwise, the house won't get built. Otherwise, the fence won't get up, get put up. Right. Otherwise, you know, if it's just, oh, I need to shovel the snow off my driveway, I could do that by myself. Right. (laughs) But if I want to build a house, there's got to be some sort of authority structure where there's a hierarchy. Right. And the teamwork and all these things. Well, if that's true in the natural world, how much more true is this with Yeshua building his ecclesia? He uses uh, authority structures that have um, hierarchies for the tasks to get done. And that and that's based on trust where someone says, okay, I need you to frame this wall 
and you go to somebody else, I need you to, you know, do some other thing, get, make sure the, the foundation's right, you know? And so then that guy goes and gets the, gets the architect plans for what the foundation needs to be. Right. And then he, you know, has the guy bring the, the concrete truck. Right. So now you got a guy who's, so all these things, people are operating in there and where they've been placed. And that's, we're all that way in the body of Messiah, right? We all need each other, but we all have very specific gifts, very specific task, tasks and potentials of growth and contribution. And uh, it's all good. But yeah, without, without any kind of authority structure, you're, no, you're not going to have any long-term traction or, or gain. Right. Um, before we take off, cause I, I know that we're, um, coming to the end of our time here and, um, I want to, I want to touch on one more comment that was made. Somebody left this on, uh, and this once again is in, in reference to our show last week's show on our deal breakers. Somebody says, so if I understand you right to you, a homosexual who has not repented is a deal breaker for fellowship. But a whole system that has rejected the Sabbath, the true Sabbath, and pretty much the entire Old Testament, including festival, kosher, etc., is not. And a Torah-believing group that has accepted some false teachings is a deal-breaker. But many Christian churches that have not only accepted false teachings but continue to teach them is somehow not. I don't get it. Okay. I want to touch on this because I think it's an important question. Sure, I I completely understand that... uh, Many Christian churches, mainstream Christian church, Sunday churches, have rejected parts of the Torah. Uh, the statement, um, pretty much the entire Old Testament, they've rejected pretty much the entire Old Testament. That's, That's a false claim. Yeah. That's not, I, I don't know where you would get that from, but I don't, I reject that fully. So, no, strike that from the comment. Um, let's let's uh, look at things like the Sabbath, the true Sabbath. I agree. I agree that the rejection of the true Sabbath is is very egregious, but it's prophesied. In the end times, the, the Gentiles will come to the Torah. They will ask the Jews to, to teach them about their God. The coastlands will wait expectantly for the Torah, and we are starting to see this happen, right? The nations will go up and celebrate Sukkot in Jerusalem. So the point is, is that they they will turn from this, and I'm not giving people a pass. However, there is a distinct difference, I believe, in the idea of this is why the, the scriptures say that teachers will incur a stricter judgment. What people are, are preaching in the church in terms of a rejection of Sabbath and kosher laws is because they learned it from their teachers, and their teachers learned it from their teachers, and their teachers from their teachers. Does that, does that uh, give them a, a pass? No, not necessarily. However, homosexuality, living in, in uh, continued sin, immoral sin, is something that I think is, uh, you know, well, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not deceive yourself. Neither the sexual immoral, nor the idolaters, nor, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Um, how do we know that a person is a child of God? Because of the fruit that they bear. And the fruit that I see in many Christian churches is good fruit. 
I reject the idea that R.C. Sproul is burning in hell right now. R.C. Sproul was a man of God who led thousands of people to the Lord and uh, has greatly benefited the body of Messiah. And so those who went to his church, I don't think, were on the same par with the person who goes to the homosexual church down the road and, and sits under a homosexual teacher. I just reject it. It's the same with someone like John Piper. John Piper has done work on why the Sabbath is no longer in act today, why the Torah is no longer in act today. If you listen to John Piper, I believe that John Piper is a man of God, and I believe that he is a child of God, and I see that in the fruit of what he is doing. And I could say the same for a lot of other people. You know, I, and I, I, start, I had to ponder this when Michael in our office said, I, you know, I ask people every once in a while, do you believe that Billy Graham is burning in hell right now? You might disagree with him a lot, but is he burning in hell? And the point is, is that I think that God somehow has more grace than we do. <laughs> somehow. The point is, is that I think that, yes, it is wrong for the church to reject. And I've said many times, I think that the church is rejecting primarily three things. And we can put it into four. But Sabbath, which could also be lumped in with festivals, okay? Because Sabbath is, you know, our festivals have Sabbaths. So Sabbath and festivals, kosher laws, and what's the other one? Um, Sabbath and festivals is really, I mean, you know, and we could, we could add another one or two, right? But those are the main things that are rejected by, by the Christian church. Circumcision, there you go. Circumcision would be the third one. And these are all big things, don't get me wrong. They're all really big things. But that's not a full-out rejection of Torah and a full-out rejection of the Old Testament. So um, I think that we can see by the fruit of, of the people within Well, just think about this. One more comment on that. Look through the Tanakh and look at how many times Israel was, quote, keeping the Sabbath or they had the temple and they were offering sacrifices in the temple, certainly circumcising their children. And look at Isaiah 1. Isaiah chapter 1, he's like, Stop bringing your stinking stinks, yeah. Why? Well, they had all those. They had, but the Lord bore with them time and again. He sent prophets, right? Time and again. And they were, they were externally doing all these things, but internally their hearts were far from them. And what we have now, due to our historical situation, and God knows it's this way, we have people who desire to serve him and love him. They desire to learn about him and to follow his ways. But there's just so much noise in the world as to understanding scripture. And, and I think the Lord is, well, we know he's long suffering. So, um, he's the judge. I'm, I'm thankful that, uh, I don't have to, to judge a person because I don't know the whole story, but he does give us, you know, each one of us, he builds us up. He nourishes us with his word. He encourages us. He corrects us when we need it. And we should be about his business by encouraging others in the same way, showing people the grace that he has showed us leading with the greatest two commandments, right? Here's the thing. I don't, you're not going to find any in these just popular Christianity. You're not going to find anybody who, who's really into it, who wouldn't agree that the greatest two commandments are from the Torah, right? Like love God. Oh, that's Deuteronomy six. You know, they're going to know that 
John Piper knows that. Love your neighbors yourself. Oh, that's Leviticus. He's going to know that. It's He's not going to say those are done away. The issue is is just the confusion due to the just a sad history, you know. And the Lord is He's building His people, and all these things will be corrected. Right, no doubt. Um, yeah, good good comments in the chat room. All right, it's been a good day. Thank you, everybody who's uh, listened in and who has commented and who has joined us for. The Secret Show. Um, we'll be back next week, I think, right? Will we be back next week? Next week for uh, another show on our normal time. And uh, give us a call. Uh, let's see here. 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. You can also shoot us an email. Seahagatorresource.com. Seahagatorresource.com. We hope you've enjoyed this wonderful uh, show. At least I thought it was wonderful. Because one thing that we're trying to do is uplift our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Because Messiah matters. Uh,